good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Well, hi, friends. My name's James. It's good to be with you here this morning. I'm one of the uh, the pastors here at City Church. Now, um, for those of you who are a visitor or you've been away for a while, um, we are looking at the I am's of Jesus. And you might be thinking, I am's of Jesus? What's, what's with that? Well, what it is, is in John chapter 10, Jesus made seven statements of I am and then gave an example of who he was. And the reason he did this was that when he used an I am and he then explained what it was, it was an unpacking of who he was, who his character is. And the I am statements actually send us back originally to the Old Testament. And we will have heard this already, but when Kathy first spoke on this, I loved this, and I kind of, I'd kind of almost forgot a little bit, is that an I am statement starts in the Old Testament. Um, in the Old Testament, God revealed to Moses his name. He said, I am who I am. So in Judaism, I am is basically understood as one of the names of God. And so when Jesus says, I am, he's first of all saying, I am God, and then He's given an example of one of the ways or one of the names or personalities he has that displays part of God's character. And so we're pretty much bang in the middle of our seven-week I Am series. And so the last, a couple of weeks ago, we had I Am the Bread of Life. I Am the Light of the World. I Am the Good Shepherd. And then we've got four more. We've got I Am the Resurrection and the Life. I Am the Way, the Truth and the Life. I am the true vine, and, and my, my thunder was stolen because the thing fell down, but I am the door. So we're going to be looking this week at I am the door. Now, what I want to do is highlight a few foundation things before we get going, okay? If you open your Bible to John chapter 10... Some of you will see it says, I am the door, and others will see, I am the gate, okay? Now, doors and gates, they represent the same thing here. It's just different ways of translating from the original text, okay? So, we're going to go with door today, mainly because there was a door downstairs I could use as a prop, and I didn't have a gate, okay? So, I am the door, but it could be, I am the gate, the second thing is, is the four verses that we're looking at from John chapter 10 are all kind of like merged together a little bit. And there should be, um, 
We've got a, a slide of that. Um, now, rather than particularly focusing on reading the Scripture, no reading of the Scripture, I've put that up there to simply say that there's three points I'm making, but they're all kind of intertwined. And so what I'm going to do is for each point of those Scriptures, and in fact, you can take that off now because otherwise people will be reading it. Um, but the idea is that I'm going to just take the relevant bits of Scripture for each point. Now, we'll cover it all. But that's why I'm going to, going to split it up. And you know what? The truth is, in this message, it would be a lot easier if I just had one point. That Jesus says, I am the door. And we could just focus on God's love and God's provision. And that would be an easy message. But there are other aspects to this teaching that we need to look at, which, we, which if I'm honest, are less palatable. They're more kind of painful or awkward. And that's points two and three. And the reason I'm covering those, because if I didn't, it would not be a good message. When we look at the Bible, we need to look at the, the warm, cuddly bits about how Jesus is amazing and he loves us. But we need to look at the fact that we are, are sinful, that we, there is a devil, that there are distractions. And I say that because as I'm teaching this, this is what I want from, from each of you, is first of all, you um, need to hear the good news of Jesus, but you need to hear some of the, the wider picture of the gospel. At City Church, we preach the whole gospel, not part of the gospel. And what that will then do is, when someone comes to you, and let, this isn't something that's going to happen very often, an unsaved person comes to you and says, tell me how much Jesus loves me. Now, if they do that, you've hit the jackpot. They want to know the Lord. All you have to do is lead them to the Lord. But most of the questions they're going to come to us with are things like, why is there suffering in the world? What's your stance on homosexuality? How can you be so arrogant as a Christian to claim that Jesus is the only way to, the, to, to heaven and all of the religions are false? You see, that's the kind of question that most people come to us asking. And if all we have a response is, God loves you, and stop there, it's not, in a sense, answering their question. But we obviously need that, and that's where we start. And if we start, like we're in this message, start with a foundation of, look, God is love, and that is why he's made you, then we can start to answer those more challenging questions because if you jump straight into someone grilling you, why is there suffering in the world? And you try and answer it logically without first putting a foundation of God is love, you're going to find it very difficult. We start with a foundation that God is love and then we unpack the rest when people ask us. So let me just, in Paul's prayed for me, I just want to further pray. Father God, I pray that as we look at this teaching about I am the door, I pray God would you... Um, would your truth speak to our heart? Would the lies of the enemy be broken this morning, God, as we hear your truth? I pray people's hearts would be softened and any baggage and any issues they've got wouldn't just be buried, but they would come to the forefront so that you can deal with them, Father. Amen. So, the first point we've got is Jesus is the door, number one. And so the scripture we've got is kind of taking the little bits of those four verses from John 10. I tell you the truth. I am the door for the sheep. Yes, I am the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. 
They will come and go freely and find good pastures. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, when Jesus referred to himself, um, Jesus referred to himself as the door of the sheep. And this was a metaphor or an image that his listeners could associate with. We're not too familiar with sheep. We go to the Lake District, we go to Lancashire, we go to Wales, and we say, lovely, there's a sheep there. But we don't see sheep wandering past our house unless you're in the countryside. But Jesus used this idea of a sheep because it was commonplace for the people he was with in Israel. And so a lot of the images didn't need explaining. People knew what they were. But one of the things we need to do when we look at Scripture is we actually need to look a bit of the context because we don't know a great deal about sheep. And that was one of the most amazing things about Jesus' teaching. It was applicable and receivable back then when there was a very different culture, but it's just as relevant today, but sometimes we've just got to draw a little bit of the context out. Now, at night, the shepherds would gather all the sheep and they would put them in a sheep pen so that they could rest securely and protect them from wolves and lions and who knows what else that were out there. And I've got a picture um, behind, and this is the idea of a sheep pen. And so the walls were built up with stone or rock. And, and the good thing is, is this still functions today as well as being having an archaeological record of this. So it's not just a, an idea that someone scribbled down. It's a case of that we've got a pen. And then what's interesting is, if you look, is that there, there is a, there's a kind of a, a, a frame, but there's not actually a door. The shepherd sat in that, that doorway to act as the door. And why he did that was that once the sheep were in at night, he would sit there and he would guard the pen. He would guard the sheep. So he made sure that the predators wouldn't come in. And then also, in the daytime, he would control when the sheep came in and came out. And so now we can see a little bit more when Jesus says, I am the door. It means literally, I am the door to the sheep pen, where when you're in that pen, you are safe, you are saved, you are under my protection. And from this, this first point, I just want to draw out three, um, sort of break down the scripture a little bit to three parts. The first one, uh, Jesus says, is he gives an invitation. He says, I am the door, those who come through me will be saved. So Jesus, first of all, invites us. He says, I am the door. He's saying, come to me. I am the only door that you can pass through. And he offers this door, this invite to everyone. He offered it to the, um, the Pharisees, who we'll look at a little bit later on, who rejected it. So he will offer this door, himself as a door, to everyone, even if they reject him. So the first one is, he offers an invitation. The second one aspect is he promises salvation. So Jesus says, all those who enter to the Father through me will be saved. And it says in John 14, 6, something similar. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. 
And so Jesus says, I am the only way to the Father. Anyone who wants to know Father God has to come through me, Jesus, because I am going to die on a cross for all your sins so that you can come to me and say sorry for all that I've done because Jesus went on the cross to basically take all the wrongdoing of our lives. And so when, when God, when we come to the end of our life, doesn't look at us as broken humans who are sinful, he actually then sees us, for those who've given our lives to Jesus, as forgiven because we have been washed clean by Jesus' blood when Jesus died on the cross. So that's the promise of salvation. And then the, the final one is promise of peace. We're looking at that verse. It says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, what does Jesus mean by this? Well, the amazing thing about Jesus is he would so often refer to the Old Testament. Like he keeps saying, I am, that's linking him back to the Old Testament and everything that went before. And so when he's referring that he wants to give us a rich and satisfying life, the verse that, that often comes up in many commentaries that we can refer back to Jesus' words is Ezekiel 34, um, verses 25 to 31. Now, I'm actually going to read these six verses. There's quite a bit to them, um, but they are so powerful. It says, I will make a covenant of peace with my people and drive away the dangerous animals from the land. They will be able to camp safely in the wildest places and sleep in the woods without fear. I will bless my people and their homes around my holy hill. And in the proper season, I will sh send showers they need. They will be showers of blessing. The orchards and fields of my people will yield bumper crops and everyone will live in safety. When I have broken their chains of slavery and rescued them from those who enslaved them, then they will know that I am the Lord. They will no longer be prey for other nations, and wild animals will no longer devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will frighten them, and I will make their land famous for its crops, so my people will never again suffer from families or the insults of foreign nations. In this way, they will know that I, the Lord, am with them, and they will know that they, the people of Israel, are my people, says the Sovereign Lord." You are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. You are my people, and I am your God. And so Jesus is stepping in, saying, look, I am God. I am the fulfillment of many scriptures. Probably, I think, over 300 scriptures where Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament promises. And so what's amazing then is this covenant that God declared over his people is a covenant for us as well. Because when we give our lives to Jesus and repent and ask for forgiveness for all our wrongdoing, we are adopted into his family, which means we're adopted into the family of God's people so that we can then claim this covenant as our own because we are now God's children. And so this covenant God gave, um, th this covenant uh, that we've read about and Jesus is talking about is he is inviting you to come to him. He's inviting each and every one of you. You might not know Jesus 
And you might be thinking, surely not me. I know my background, my history. I know how I was brought into the world and what I have done since then. But no, Jesus is inviting you, everyone. And Jesus is offering salvation. And Jesus is promising you peace. And so for those of you who your heart is pounding thinking, I want to be invited, I want salvation and I want peace, then we're going to pray at the end of this message for you to invite Jesus into your life. And our second point, and this is where we now look at teaching that's a bit more uncomfortable, that's a bit more kind of, it grates on us a little bit because sometimes it highlights our weaknesses and our issues. So the second point is, are you seeking other doors instead of Jesus? Are you seeking other doors instead of Jesus? You see, we know God loves us and has a wonderful plan for us. Jesus said, as we just saw, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. But the thing is, is you need to look at the flip side of the coin. Because whilst God says, I love you, I made you for a purpose, I am going to bless you abundantly, here's what the devil says on the flip side. The devil hates you. He has a miserable plan for your life. He wants to steal from you. He wants to rip you off. He wants you to suffer. And he wants you to fail and that scripture we see is the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And it's only by that contrast of the flip side of the coin that we see how amazing God is. He's got all of this good stuff for us, but the devil doesn't want any of that for us. The, the devil's mission statement is to trip you up. It's to distract you from the fact that God says, Jesus says, I am the door. And he constantly tries to tempt us to enter through other, door, other doors that he makes very appealing. Does anyone else find that, they, you know, that the, the tempting of the devil is pretty appealing? You know, he knows what he's doing. And to a degree, he's got some strength and some skills. Nothing compared to what God has. But he knows that when we are weak then we can sometimes, if he offers us the right things, be tempted away from actually knowing the truth that Jesus is the door. And there's obvious things that we know that are bad that would be detrimental. Pornography, affairs, anger, jealousy, bitterness. These are things that we will quite clearly know for Christians, but a lot of people just generally with sort of morals in society, we know that these things are bad, we need to keep clear of these doors. But there are many other things as well that in themselves can be good things. They can be good things. Things like getting married, having children, being successful, owning a nice house and a car and, and other things that just make life enjoyable and traveling. These are all good desires. But what the devil will often try and do is he will try and lure you with wanting more and wanting more and so whilst they're good in themselves if a single per if you're single and you're so desperate to be married and you think that once I'm married life will make sense everything will be perfect my spouse will complete me and I will be whole now 
to a, an extent, a lot of that is true and is good. But when, we're, when a single person is looking for someone, marriage, and it becomes God's here, and actually the importance of m meeting someone is up here, it's become an idol. It's gone from a good thing to something that is controlling you and distracting you from God. And so that's when it can be a door that leads you away from Jesus. In the same way with, with work, people want to be successful. We want to move up, move up the, the, the career ladder. We want to make more money. I have no problem about getting paid more. You know, if I would keep going and going in the, you know, the secular world for promotions because money's a good thing. It can be used to bless church, bless your family, and be used there to enjoy. But when the motivation of getting power and status and money becomes more important than God, it's become an idol. And so there are countless doors that are available to us, but only one of them is the correct way, and that is Jesus says, I am the door. All those other doors distract us from God. And so, if you know that you've been wandering through the wrong doors, or maybe even just kind of putting your hand ready to open the door of, a, you know, of a, the handle on a door that you know doesn't lead to a good place, then at the end of this message, I want to pray for you. First of all, that you know that you can ask for forgiveness. And then secondly, that you can just ask God to close those doors shut so that there's only one door available to you. The devil lies. And so as you are going through this message, the devil still is going to be whispering to you, you're no good. The door's not open for you. Um, the door might be open to some, but not you. I've got much better doors. You could never leave those doors anyway. We're going to pray shortly that we will, that, that in Jesus' name, we'll break the lies of the enemy. And then our third point is, are you acting as a door yourself? Are you acting as a door yourself? Now, your first thought might seem that this seems really peculiar. Of course I'm not. But let's look at the, the scripture here. Um, it says, all who came before him, me, were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Now, unless we unpack that further and look back to John chapter 9, that's not making a great deal of sense in context of our message today. So what we'll do is, if we jump back to chapter 9, chapter 9 is where Jesus healed a blind man on the Sabbath. And instead of, you know, the, the, everyone rejoicing and lots of people were glad, the Pharisees didn't rejoice, they complained. They said, You've, this is on the Sabbath, this can't be right. No one can do any work, no one can be healed on the Sabbath. And then they started to critique the man's character to say, well, you're a sinner. God wouldn't have any time for you. And so the Pharisees were, in effect, trying to act as a door. This man had met Jesus, has been healed, and they're saying, no, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Um, you've not got access to the door of God because you're a sinner. And what's more, this is done on the Sabbath. This can't be a good thing on the Sabbath. And so the, the Pharisees were trying to act as a door to God. And now, if we think, 
are we ever a door to God? You know, are we trying to act as a door to de decide who comes through? Our first thought would be, no, of course not. No, I, I, I don't want anyone not to come to God. I never act as a door. But this is where I want to challenge you, where we all have prejudices. We all have prejudices where we sometimes think someone's inferior or that they've come from such a background. They're like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, can God love them? And I think we know, we, we know he can, and that's the truth. God does love them, but we almost kind of feel like maybe we should just be another door of security to make sure that if they get past us and our judgments, then God is ready for them. And I'm going to um, put a, and before we put this picture up, imagine next Sunday some people came who you had a prejudice against. And I've got a picture of three people straight away you might kind of have prejudices against because they're very different to ourselves. Maybe someone who's a, you know, a skinhead, who's got tattoos, who's got piercings, who your first thought is, there's something wrong with that person. Or a prostitute. You know, we're, we're blessed in Kensington to have such a range of people where prostitutes have come into church and have got saved because of our location. And a homeless person. We all know that there's many homeless people everywhere now, but we do notice a lot in Liverpool and around Kensington. And so we might see this, these people in church, and there may be many other people who we have prejudices against. You might have you might have racial prejudices that, that God's bringing to your attention now from other countries. You know, maybe you've come from countries where you've come from a war-torn country and you have got real prejudices against the, those who've attacked your nation. And you'd be like, well, I'm not sure they can come to my church. They attack my country. There's lots of prejudices we can have. And I've had to look at myself and think, Gosh, I've got some as well, you know, not to an extent where I'm saying you can't come to church, but I've got to say, if someone comes into church, you know, I'd be fantastic to have you here. But if I saw them on the street, would, would your mind be responding the same way of thinking, oh, that one, I want that person saved and praying for them in your mind rather than thinking, oh, look at them. You know, they're not me. They're not my kind of person. And so, like the Pharisees, we need to make, unlike the Pharisees, we need to make sure we don't look with suspicion and scorn on anyone who's different to us. Again, Jesus said, I am the door for the sheep. Yes, I am the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. So let me say, everyone is welcome in City Church. Everyone is welcome. You may be thinking you're not welcome. You are. Even the very worst that society could say someone is, they would be welcome here because they're here to seek God, not to seek me preaching or Sue leading worship or seek your friendship. They're here ultimately to seek God and none of us should ever be a door, even a slight obstacle in their way of reaching God. And so I want to ask the, the band to, to, to come up now. And um, what I want to do is I just want to spend some time where we've got music playing in the background, where we can just take 
10 minutes where we're going to pray. Where we're going to pray. And we've looked, you know, there's probably, you know, you know, I can say for certainty, God has spoke to you. God has spoke to you whether he said, I want you to join my family. Or whether he said that you're looking at other doors and you need to stop looking at those doors and focus on the only true door. Or whether he's pricked your conscience and you've realized that actually the stuff that I'm doing here or thinking or saying that is acting as an obstacle or a door to other people coming to Jesus. And so, um, what we'll do is, as they're just playing in the background, I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to pray through each category, each group, and one or more of these may apply to you. And we're not going to rush off, we're just going to take 10 minutes of stillness now so that God can speak to you. And in fact, what we'll do is, as your heads are bowed and eyes closed, we're just going to sit for a minute and just let God start to speak to your heart. He's already been speaking, but he just wants to pinpoint a few things now ready for us to pray. Father God, I pray that as we just um, come into a time of prayer, God, where I'm able to just invite and usher people into your presence to speak to you. Prayer is speaking to God. So as I lead these prayers, you're not speaking to me, you're speaking to God. You're speaking to God the Father. You're speaking to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is there in the midst. So if you have heard this message today, and you've thought, I want to know Jesus. I want to enter Jesus. I want to enter his kingdom so I have purpose here on earth, and I have a purpose, an eternal purpose in heaven. And so, if you want to come to Jesus now and say, I've messed up, and I'm sorry for all the wrong I've done, and I want to ask for forgiveness and walk with you here on earth and an eternity in heaven, I'm going to pray now, and you can just... Pray these words. You might want to speak them out under your breath. You might actually want to speak them out aloud or just pray them in your mind. But if you'd pray after me, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done. I'm sorry for the many doors that have led me down bad avenues. And I want to invite you into my life, Jesus. I want to ask for your forgiveness. And I want to be adopted into your family. 
so that I may receive salvation, so that my sins and mistakes may be forgiven, and that I may enter into your promises of peace. Amen. Again, if you have prayed that prayer, in effect, you have knocked on the door of Jesus and he's opened himself to you, which means you have an eternal destiny now in heaven. And God will really use you now here on earth. I just ask while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, if you have prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you've prayed that prayer because you needed to come back to God because you've lost your sight, whether it be for weeks, months, or years, I'd ask you to just raise your hand now if that would be applying to you. And then I just want to pray for, for those of you who, and, and the truth is we've all done this. We've all entered through doors that we shouldn't have gone through. Doors that might have been, seemed okay, but we've allowed them to become a distraction, to become an idol, to take our eyes off God. An idol is anything that becomes more important to God. That becomes more important to you than God. And so that could be anything. And God will have been speaking to you if that's the case. And we're just going to ask for forgiveness now. Father God, we thank you so much that you are a forgiving God. And we know that there are many things that we often do that, that is sin that leads us away from you. Father God, I just pray that you would forgive each of us. And now's the time for you to actually ask God to forgive you, to receive Jesus' forgiveness. And God, we just pray as well for, for the doors that the devil puts before us, God. The lies of the enemy where he says, check this door out. This door is perfect for you. This is what you need. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you've been abused and the devil says, well, you need this. You, need, you deserve this. Let me tell you, he's lying to you. There is one door that leads to fulfillment and joy and satisfaction, and that is Jesus and no, no one or nothing else. Father God, I pray that you will help us fix our eyes on you. And in, in Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, we declare that the lies of the enemy are just that. They are lies, and when we know they are lies, they are broken. God, we want to know your truth, and we pray that in the name of Jesus, we'll be able to stand firm on your truth and your promises so that we can stamp and smash the lies of the enemy. And finally, God, I just pray for uh, each of us, God, 
because we all have our prejudices and, and our issues of how we've been hurt against other people groups and as such we may behold resentment. God, I pray that you would give us open and loving hearts, God, so that even the, the, those that who have hurt us, a people group, a person, someone that we carry the baggage of, God, that we will never try and block them coming to you. We pray that we will share the same warmth and love with everyone, not just those people like us. Amen. Well, we'll, what we'll do is we're just going to have, we're going to close with a a song from the band. And this might be a song you might want to sing. This might be a song where you just want to sit and let God do some more work as he speaks to you. But let me just remind you here that what we read from Ezekiel um, back in, uh, what was it, Ezekiel 35 Jesus says, you are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. You are my people, and I am your God. And he has got abundance, abundance for each of us. Maybe that's something you just need to ask God for in this message, in this song, is abundance. And we're not preaching the prosperity gospel where I just want to be wealthy. We're talking abundance in relationships with colleagues, with neighbors, with families, with a job that you enjoy and find satisfying, where you're able to meet a spouse, where you're able to have kids, where you're able to have a prosperous job and enjoy wealth, but that he would most importantly show you that he has got abundant love, grace and peace for you that will never end.